You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Grow Show. Today on the show, we're going to be interviewing David, uh, president and founder of Set Free Alliance. David, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Zach. So tell me a little bit about Set Free Alliance. What's the ministry backstory? How did the ministry come to be? And uh, maybe what was your guys' original call? Um. Boy, that's a, a long story trying to condense it. Set Free Alliance uh, started four years ago, uh, and it culminated after my first trip to India. And that was back in June of 2012. Um, up till that point, uh, I was a happily married man with 2.5 kids living in the suburbs of Dallas and had a successful career in banking and uh uh, really felt God's call to look for something more in life. And uh, I became aware of these events of what was happening in India. And that culminated in a, a partnership with our ministry partner in India, which is uh, probably the most remarkable guy I've ever met. And I'll, I'll tell you more about him. Uh, but uh, he's a third generation pastor. And his charity in India evolved into a network of pastors that uh, grew over a period of time. And uh, his side job was in rescuing untouchable children. And for years, he would minister to kids that were slaves in rock quarries in Andhra Pradesh, India. And... After about three and a half years of efforting that cause, he was recognized by the government of India and ended up winning an award for Social Worker of the Year. And that platform gave him an opportunity to talk about the plight of these children. And fortunately, that fell on some sympathetic ears of some government officials there, and they started enforcing the laws in 2012. And I was connected with our partner, Praveen, uh, through social media and started a relationship with him. And for some reason, I was just drawn to this work that he was doing. And ultimately, that culminated in me deciding to go to India to uh, see for myself what was happening, as all of these kids were literally getting released by the thousands. And um, there were some churches involved that were trying to connect Praveen with other organizations that did child work. And for whatever reason, it just didn't fit. And when I went to India, that trip literally devastated me and saw the needs of these kids that were uh, immediate and immense. Uh, Fortunately for the thousands of kids that Praveen rescued through that effort, the majority of them were reunited with their parents. Uh, but for those that had no place to go, he just took them in. 
and was just being faithful and ministering to these kids and knew that God would answer his prayer somehow, some way. And I just felt the call to try to help him address that need. And upon my return within about 30 to 60 days, uh, me and my father had founded Set Free Alliance and we started trying to meet those needs. Uh, that's incredible. So, are, Pastor Praveen, is he, is there like a, a number of rescue events that have taken place or is this a constant thing that he's doing? You know, what's really interesting about Praveen is that his full-time job is in managing a network of pastors that is now grown to over 5,000 strong and they're in every state in India and they basically are out going into these remote tribal areas and they're sharing the gospel. And his side job is in rescuing these children in need. So what became our full-time job is in assisting him in his part-time job. That's awesome. And how did you guys get connected on social media? Uh, my father and I founded Set Free Alliance together. And when my father, quote-unquote, retired from pastoring a church, he uh, became a missions pastor, and he was connected through an organization that was drilling water wells for Praveen and these pastors. So they were going out into these remote tribal villages where there was no access to clean water, and they were drilling water wells, and they were sharing the gospel. And my father's church started, started supporting Praveen. And so I knew the the founder of the Waterwell Ministry, and of course I knew my father, and I'm talking to both of them about this guy in India. And again, for some reason, I was just really attracted and compelled by the stories that were coming out. And I just started communicating with Praveen back in 2011. And, you know, if you asked me in 2011, do you have a desire to go to India? I would say, no, that's on the bottom of my list. You know, that's below Liberia. And for some reason, I just became more and more compelled by these events as they were unfolding with these kids. And I remember talking to my father in, you know, the spring and I said, you know, I think I'm supposed to go to India and that's the last place in the world I want to go. And he said, I think it's a good idea because he's got all these kids and doesn't know what to do with them. And, you know, we need to help him figure something out. So how long has Pastor Praveen been doing this? Well, his grandfather started the ministry. Uh, his fa Praveen's father took it over from his grandfather. And Praveen's father is a career educator. He was a public educator in India. Uh, he'd received numerous awards for uh, being an outstanding educator, and he was also a pastor. And Praveen, when he graduated from high school, he went to seminary in Bangalore. And, of course, he graduated at the top of his class. Uh, when he was traveling home from seminary, he was traveling to the train depot in 2006 and he was passing a garbage dump on the way to the train depot, and he heard a baby crying. And he went and found this abandoned baby girl 
in the middle of this garbage dump and he walked around to all of the doors in the neighborhood and nobody claimed the baby and he figured out pretty quickly that someone had just abandoned this baby girl in the garbage dump. So he said, God told me to take care of his children. So he took that baby home with him. You know, he's 22 years old at that time, doesn't know how to care for kids. He faces ridicule and scorn from his friends saying, look at you, you're a new pastor and you already have a baby out of wedlock. And, uh, you know, he faced that kind of ridicule and he just said, you know what? God told me to take care of his kids and I'm going to take care of them. And now, you know, 14 years later, he still has that girl in his care. And to date, he has rescued over 14,000 children. Wow. So the, the majority of these kids have been rescued out of slavery, which is very prevalent in India. Mm-hmm. But some of them are rescued out of sex trafficking, other forced bonded servitude, uh, orphaned, abandoned, street begging. All of the stories are really horrific from all of these different environments. But the common denominator with all of these kids are that they come from the untouchable caste. Right. And so is, has you said the government noticed what he was doing. Have, have they stepped in to help and be a part of what he's doing? Well, in, in some ways, yes. But unfortunately, like many third world countries, Praveen says that laws exist in India so that corrupt politicians and lawmakers can make money. Okay. And so when the law started to get enforced back in 2012, unfortunately that didn't last very long. And you're talking about something that is just not in one small part of in, in India or in one particular industry. Uh, the, the, you know, the statistics worldwide are, you know, rampant in India. So if you look at the global statistics, you know, the largest country in the world, China, uh, they estimate the number of people in modern day slavery at over 3 million. And at the top of the list is India. And the current estimates are over 18 million people. It's crazy. So when you look at the demographics of India, you know, there could be as many as 250 million untouchables in India that are outside of the caste system mm-hmm. and they are not afforded the same opportunities for a good chance at life. So the majority of that slave population, in my estimation, are going to be untouchables and there's going to be a fairly significant portion of that demographic that are going to be children. All right. Wow. So what have you guys been up to lately? If that's the backstory, how the ministry came to be, what's what's going on in the last couple of months, last couple of weeks? Well, it's really been amazing how God has grown this ministry. Uh, we knew starting out that we wanted to do something different. Uh, there were a lot of organizations out there that did stuff with kids. There were a lot of organizations that did stuff with slavery. Um, child sponsorship programs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we just said, we want to do something different. So let's promise our donors that 100% of the funds that they donate are going to go and impact these children's lives. 
And so we started this ministry with that promise that when people donate, whether it's a dollar or a thousand, whether it's by credit card or any other means, that we're going to send 100% of that money to impact these children's lives. And it's even to the extent that we go back in and reimburse the credit card transaction fees uh, on those donations. So we rely on private donors that believe in this ministry that help pay our humongous salaries and (laughs) (laughs) it helps pay for our website, our printed collateral, our, uh, the events that we, uh, fundraising events that we have. And, uh, God's just blessed that. And it's been, it's grown to be a part of our identity of our, basically our brand name. Right. Uh, And it is a struggle. Uh, but it's, you know, for three and a half years of our four year, you know, tenure, uh, the majority of the time the work was being done by my wife, Marcy and I, and we've really taken a strategic approach in the last, you know, just in this calendar year to really try to effectively grow this into a professional organization so that we have people that actually know what they're doing and raising funds and in raising awareness. Um, you know, I was somewhat overwhelmed when we started this and, you know, my career was in baking and I said, you know, I have no idea how to raise funds. And the best advice my father gave me was, you know, David, you're not a fundraiser, you're a storyteller. So you go and tell the story of what God's doing in India and you rely on the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. And if they're going to give, they'll give. And that takes all the pressure off. And so that's just been our approach has been we just get out there and try to tell the story. And uh, that 100 percent model became a part of our identity. And another really another neat thing that became a part of our identity was not something that we created. It was something that was created by these kids in India. And this is really just an incredible story. And I, and I, I'm jumping all over the place, Zach. I apologize if I'm not following <laughs> no, you're fine. questions in order, but, uh, you know, when we started this in 2012 and we started sending support and God really blessed us with aligning us with people that really believed in this work that was being done in India and somebody donated some money and, you know, we were housing these kids in different homes and leased facilities. And somebody said, you know, vocational training's big. Let's, you know, let's provide some vocational training for these older kids to give them a chance at life. And so we bought some sewing machines for these older girls to learn how to sew because tailoring and garment manufacturing is obviously super huge in India, like it is in most places in Asia. And we bought some old fashioned you know, foot pedal sewing machines like your grandma used to have. Yep. And we put them in these homes and these girls saw these machines and they said, that's my ticket. I can learn a skilled trade and that's going to give me a chance. And literally 24 seven, they fought over learning how to sew. And Praveen had an opportunity to connect these girls with a factory in Bangalore And the manager, who is a woman, heard the story of these girls that were rescued. And she said, I want to meet these girls. And she came and met them, heard their stories. And long story short, 
She tested them. All the girls passed. And she told Praveen, I'll hire 50 of your girls. And so Praveen chartered a bus, took 50 of the girls to Bangalore, toured the factory to make sure it wasn't a sweatshop or anything like that. The girls all lived in a dorm together. They ate in a cafeteria together. And they were all hired starting out at making 10 times the salary of what an untouchable makes in India. That's amazing. Six months go by. And that manager contacts Praveen back. And Praveen regularly checked in on the girls to make sure that everything was okay. And these girls were continued to be discipled by pastors and their wives that lived in that city. And that manager called Praveen and said, I've called to tell you that all 50 of your girls are being promoted. And they're now going to be working in other factories throughout India. And they're going to be receiving raises. But I called to tell you that and that all of the other women in this factory go to your girls because they want to receive prayer and they want to hear about Jesus. And we thought, man, this is incredible. This is a home run. And around that same time, somebody else donated some money and said, let's get these boys some vocational training. And we enrolled 30 boys. And at this time, we had about 700 kids that we were caring for. So we had limited capacity to be able to provide funding for this, but we picked age appropriate boys and said, we have opportunities in woodworking, who's interested? And we found 30 candidates. We enrolled 30 boys into a six month carpentry course. Six months later, same thing. All 50 boys graduate, graduate, they get their own tools and they're launched into the workplace starting out at 10 times what an untouchable makes. Wow. And so we thought, man, this is really, really cool. And what happened next just blew us away. So we get an expense report from India showing how every, every rupee is spent on food and medicine and education for the first time in their lives for these kids. Um, and we start to notice that there's another column. And instead of all of these liabilities, there's an asset that's showing up. And I question Praveen and I said, All right, you know, where's this money come? Is this coming from the pastors or are they donating money? They don't have any money to donate. And he said, no. He said, David, it's these kids that got jobs. They are giving part of their salary back and they're telling me, please go rescue my brother and sister or thank you for rescuing me. This is to help my new brothers and sisters. And you're talking about significant money that they were donating. It's not just tithing. It was tithing on steroids. But these kids have a gratitude and a motivation to give that we can barely comprehend. And now you fast forward three and a half years later and over 120 kids that have now graduated our system that are in the workplace and Zach. Those kids have given back over $100,000 to this ministry. Holy smokes. And so we saw this as something transformational, that this is scalable, Yeah. that you provide a skill set to these kids and you launch them and they give back. And that, that allows you the opportunity to rescue another kid. So what if we graduate 1,000 kids? 
or what in 10 years if we graduate 5,000 kids? What kind of impact is that going to have on these future generations of kids that are needing rescue in India? So that really became transformational so that it kind of completed the cycle of what we do. And again, when I say we collectively, we don't do any of the work here. We are basically the ATM card for India. Mm -hmm. Our partner in India is the one that is efforting all of the work and his network of pastors. All we're doing is providing the prayer support and the funds and the oversight. So that cycle begins with rescuing a child and reuniting them with their family, hopefully. And for, for those that have no place to go, they get put into the system and they are educated they're spiritually nurtured, and then they're equipped with a vocational opportunity, and then they're launched into society, and then they turn around and give back out of gratitude or motivation, and that's the complete cycle. And so we've got this campus that we're building that is really incredible. Um, it's being funded largely by one of our largest church partners here in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, named Brookwood Church. And we're talking about a campus that, you know, you're looking at over 130,000 square feet. And this would be a boys camp, a, 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 a boys dormitory, a girls dormitory and a multipurpose building. It includes a school, vocational training and cottage industry opportunities. So it is really an incredible project. And we're about 80 percent funded on that project. But I mean, this thing is incredible when you see it. And if you look at that building and it's, you know, you know, steel reinforced concrete that 100 years from now, long after we're gone, that building can be doing the same thing in rescuing children and, and taking them through that cycle, launching them and them giving back. So the future, you know, children of India will have opportunities that this campus can provide and it could be self-sustaining. So it's really a. Uh, and it has a really exciting potential to it. Yeah, absolutely. So is a lot of your fundraising efforts building partnerships with church partners? You know, that's a great question, Zach. When we first started this and I thought, and I, I was pretty fired up and gung ho. And I thought, man, I'm going to bang the, the doors down of each church I can get into. And they're going to, you know, pour out their offering plates into my pockets. And, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting how churches work and how different it is as opposed to the, you know, the secular environment or the, uh, you know, the secular workplace. Right. And uh, we have gained a lot of good church partnerships. But what became interesting were the business partnerships that came either out of the churches that we partnered with or businesses that just found heard about us you know through other interested parties and when we look at the number of businesses that we partnered with compared to the churches you know it's probably tenfold the number of businesses versus the number of churches churches so wow when we look at churches you know we become interested in those business leaders that are in the churches right and the, the opportunities that they can provide and the models that came out of the businesses were very interesting. And the first one came out with one of a very close friend of mine in Houston, Texas, uh, 
that uh, became a board member and his uh, company eventually started supporting us. But it's, it's really an interesting story because he started supporting us as soon as we started Set Free Alliance. And not long after, he said, David, I'm buying out my business partner and I want my company to support this ministry because I really believe in what it's doing. And I want my company to have that kind of atmosphere that my employees understand why we're doing this. And so I went in and gave a presentation to his employees and they heard the stories of these kids and they were really fired up. And then sure enough, a few months later, uh, my friend Jim, the, the owner of the company called me and said, David, I want to go to India. I want to meet Praveen. I want to see these kids. And so not long after we took Jim to India and it just totally rocked his world. Hmm. And he came back and he took a ton of pictures. He came back and he called me and he said, David, you remember all that modern art that's hanging up in my office and in our boardroom? He said, it's all coming down. And he blew up these huge canvas pictures of these beautiful kids in India. <laughs> and he, he called me back after he did that. And he said, you know, it's really incredible. He says, in my boardroom, I've got these big pictures. And in my private office, I've got these big, big pictures. And he said, I'm in some of those pictures with these kids. And I bring clients in and I bring vendors in for these meetings. And he said, David, I don't even have to say a word. And we're having a, a business meeting and they keep glancing up at the walls. And they finally interrupt me and they say, Jim, you got to tell me what is the deal with these pictures? And Jim responds and says, our relationship allows my company to do this for these kids. Let me tell you about these kids. And it just blows the people away. Huh. And so that, that provides a symbiotic relationship where Jim blesses Set Free Alliance personally by being a part. And God blesses his company you know, God blesses people through blessed people. And so that re relationship became symbiotic because he wanted that spiritual component to be a part of his company's identity. Yeah. And God's blessed him because of that. And it's not a, you know, name it and claim it or, you know, a, you know, prosperity gospel, you know, deal. It's just a true foundational principle. Mm -hmm. And he's being an obedient servant and God's rewarding him. And he doesn't do it for that, but that's a result. That's a fruit. And so when other businesses started hearing that story, they said, David, can you get me some pictures? So, <laughs> so it, we've had several business owners that have gone and they've had that same kind of impact in India where it is just rocked their world and seeing the work that God is doing in India through Praveen and this network of pastors. That's amazing. That's incredible. So, I mean, especially for such a relatively young ministry, you guys seem to have this fundraising dialed a lot more than uh, other ministries of similar age that I've talked to. And so, um, Maybe share some of the struggles that you guys have gone through um, figuring out what this fundraising thing looks like, building this ministry. Is it just you've laid everything at the Lord's feet, you've trusted him through prayer, and he just continues to 
bring these relationships or, I mean, has there been some difficulties along the way that have been maybe roadblocks or struggles or. Like- yes, yes, yes. All of the above. That's a, <laughs> that's a great question, Zach. Um, the, you know, I think our biggest struggle on the back office side was, you know, recognizing the challenge that you have in trying to facilitate that 100% model, uh, especially when, you know, it doesn't matter if you're bringing in, you know, $300,000 a year or $3 million a year, your administrative side is not impacted by that. So that's a, a separate component. And that, you know, has been a separate struggle. Um, but again, God has, has blessed us. You know, I think where I've grown personally, you know, in my previous career in, in banking, uh, I was very zealous for fundraising. And when I looked at opportunities to talk to people about this ministry, I would size them up and say, how much money can I get out of that guy? Mm. And, you know, God taught me a lot through that. And that became that transformed into what can God do in that person's life by them being involved in this ministry? So that 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 was a a kind of a neat transformation for me. Um, You know, I think we share a lot of the same struggles that, you know, other organizations that, you know, are trying to do what we do. Uh, it, uh, is just, you know, the daily grind of, you know, giving this up to God and even the little stuff. And that was a struggle for me in the beginning as well. In all honesty, I said, you know, I can handle this part. I don't need God for this. This is a little administrative task and, you know, it, it's pesky and I don't want to b- bother God with that. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to lay all of this at his feet and let him be intimately involved with all aspects. And um, so I, I really grew out of, uh, you know, out of out of that part. Um, the it, I, it, it's never been ego driven for us because there's always been an understanding that we don't do the work. It's all being done by these guys on the ground in India. Mm -hmm. So I've been called a modern day abolitionist and I'm a modern day hero and all of this. It's I'm not, I'm just a normal guy that was called by God to be obedient and our calling very simply is again to be the ATM card for the work that's being done in India. So we provide the prayer support, we raise the awareness, and we raise the funds. Mm. And uh, it's you know surrounding ourselves with you know uh, a strong board and a lot of great volunteers and you know a lot of people that are compelled by these stories that come out of India and the stories. Obviously, they, they they pretty much sell themselves. So yeah. it's it's an easy it's an easy gig for a a storyteller. So <laughs> so I want to transition and get to one more question before we wrap things up. Uh, I want to be make sure I'm respectful of your time. But how are you guys working discipleship into your programs? I think you touched on this a little bit, um, but 
you're a rescue mission, rescue organization. That's your, the primary focus, right? But how does, how does discipleship get worked into that? Uh, maybe, maybe expand on that a little bit. Yeah. You, you know, what's really incredible is you look at the circumstances of these kids, Zach, and, you know, many of them are in slavery for years. They're sexually abused. They've been in slavery so long, they don't remember who their parents are, or where they came from, or their parents have died. And you hear these horrific stories uh, that are just, you know, gut wrenching, the worst thing that humanity has to offer. And you, you hear a story so horrible that you think that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And then the, ne- the very next story that you hear knocks the bottom out of that. And it literally is the, the worst thing that you can imagine, uh, you know, that you can, ex- you know, um, experience in your imagination. Mm-hmm. And so these kids are rescued by these pastors. And what happens is that, they're presented the gospel in a real way because when they're rescued, they just at first they think they're being transferred into another form of slavery, that these guys are just another person in a long line of people that have abused us our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that soon they realize that these guys are different, that they're treating us differently and they're caring for us, and the gospel is introduced to them in a verbal way by these pastors explaining why they were rescued, and then they see it in a human way because they see Jesus in these pastors, and they start to understand why these pastors are taking their, you know, risking their lives and caring for these kids and rescuing these kids. And so these kids become very receptive to the gospel. And when you see the joy that the majority of these kids have on their faces and you realize the unbelievably traumatic circumstances that they come from and you just think, how can they get over something as traumatic like that? And how can they have that joy on their face? And then you realize that there's only one way that that could have happened. And you have this infrastructure of this pastor's league that is a network of pastors, again, over 5,000 strong in every state in India. And the infrastructure is there so that you can build a campus, you can rescue children. And you can provide them with an education for the first time in their lives. You can provide them with spiritual nurturing. And you can equip them and launch them into society. So they are, you know, Christ-like in their workplace. And that cycle can continue. So if you build a campus in one state and you fill it full of kids, then the opportunities are endless so that you can go into another state and you can raise funds for another campus. And you have the infrastructure of pastors that are already in place that can care and meet the needs of these kids. Because unfortunately there is no shortage of these kids that need rescuing. And that 
literally became the identity of Set Free Alliance is that the only way that India is going to be healed, healed, the only way that revival is going to happen in India is going to be from the inside out, from the bottom to the top. And I truly believe that these kids will play a significant role in that. That's incredible. Well, David, that's about all the time we have, but I so much appreciate the um, time that you've given us and the insight into what you guys are doing. Um, Obviously, God is working in incredible ways through you and Marcy and Set Free Alliance. So thank you for your time. Can I pray for you guys and Set Free Alliance real quick? Yeah, we wrap up. Awesome. Well, Father, we just lift up Set Free Alliance and David and Marcy. I pray that you would just uh, continue to bless their ministry, um, guide them and lead them, continue to speak to them, and I pray that they would just cling to you as they uh, continue to figure out next steps and um, what direction to go. And I pray for uh, specifically per, for Pastor Praveen and the pastor's group and league that he's built up and um, I pray that you would just protect them all, that you would keep them safe, that you would uh, continue to work through them in amazing ways in rescuing these children. Um, we know that this is uh, at, at your heart. It breaks your heart to see what's going on, uh, not only in India, but all over the world. And so um, we just pray that you would continue to do amazing work. And I uh, thank you that David and Marcy have stepped out in faith and uh, been obedient to to this call. Uh, so I just lift them up to you and thank you for them. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, David, how can uh, people get a hold of you if they want to be a part of what Set Free Alliance is doing? Uh, maybe ask some more questions, get some more information. What's the best way to get a hold of David and Marcy? Uh, we've got setfreealliance.org. Uh, that's got a, a ton of updated information that's on there on a uh, 2.0 version of that website that we just launched. Uh, our contact information is on there. All of our social media contacts are on there. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever the other latest ones that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm available on there as well. Our uh, address, phone number, email contact, all of that uh, is on there. So uh, I'm available 24-7 to answer any questions that uh, anyone has about the ministry. So, well, Fantastic. Well, thank you again, David. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Great. Thank you, Zach, and we appreciate uh, Principal Creative and the opportunity to be on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.